Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCuberless. Let's start quickly, because I'd like to finish quickly, because on a very rare, once-in-a-blue-moon behind-the-scenes action I'm going to give you is I'm recording this uh, on a morning early while the missus is sleeping. So, uh, you know, let's get her done so we can get her done. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Uh, I'm going to say at the top of every show, as I do, that there will be spoilers. I say this because there will be spoilers, most likely, and this warns of them in a sort of spoiler warning. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million (laughs) dollars. Oh boy, no. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because those are things that podcasts enjoy. And don't you want to spread a little enjoyment? I know you do. Okay, we're going to push the button that we push to start the podcast like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rough you some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is your Desert Island Laylist. Oh, thank you, sponsorship. Okay, uh, it looks like I have a one, two, three, four, five movies. Uh, Quite often, I have trouble fitting three movies in the allotted time, so good luck to me, I guess we should say. Excuse me, I got a bit of a frog throat situation going. If you hear some clearings, apologies for that. Movie the first, Robinson Crusoe, who, I bet, after all those years on an island, had some difficulty with throat-related things as well, huh? Segway, let's say? Uh, I don't really know why I watched this movie. (laughs) Uh, It stars Pierce Brosnan, who I like. Uh, He's not my favorite James Bond, but not my least favorite James Bond, so there's that. How about just because that subject has come up? I'll go uh, favorite... Sean Connery, uh, then George Lazenby, then Roger Moore, then um, Pierce Brosnan, then Daniel Craig, then uh, what's the last guy that I don't really care for? The last guy that I don't really care for to the degree that I don't really remember his name often. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Okay, so this is based on the book, which uh, was good. The movie, not so much. Uh, Rating-wise for the book, uh, I think I've read it maybe twice even. Uh, Give that 5 out of 5. This is not book banter, though. This is movie monologue. The movie will go 2.5. It was not very good. Okay, don't have time to go into details. Uh, Next is the movie Joy. Oh, 
that's the movie with uh, what's her nuts and uh, what's nuts Jennifer Lawrence Robert De Niro Bradley Cooper that joy uh, man they really really plugged the shit out of this game everywhere you everywhere I turned I would see uh, commercials for this which uh, helped uh, definitely in my desire to see it I don't think the uh, the commercials for this quite get across uh, the movie itself. Like I feel uh, th they have much more excitement in the commercials in the trailers than they did in the actual movie, which is not unusual. It's just I'm pointing it out in this case because I think maybe it was stronger than it often is. Uh, Joy's the story of a woman who rose to become founder and matriarch of a pair of a powerful family business dynasty. Yeah, that's uh, what it is. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go... I'll, I'll go with solid three. I did enjoy it while watching, but I can't picture a situation where I would uh, really want to watch it again. Jennifer Lawrence is always good. Robert De Niro, he's kind of, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> overrated recently. Let's, let's put it that way. Uh, the story being based on true events, I think, and this is something I think that's come up before in the podcast, that a, a story based on true events, I often but not always feel has the potential to not be as interesting just because life is boring made up as fun which is why i watch movies huh okay uh, moving on to san andreas uh, so not based on a true story or is it in the sense that there's lots of earthquakes and stuff on the san andreas fault hey that's pulled from real life uh this stars Dwayne the rock johnson uh, and it's about, it's a disaster flick. There's really nothing much more to say about it than it is a disaster movie. Not a disaster of a movie. I did uh, have some enjoyment watching this. Uh, rating wise, I go solid three as well. Uh, maybe some, f some cool four movements. Movements. <laughs> I think I may have combined the word moments and movements because it's movements because it's earthquake and moments because that is a movie. Oh boy. Uh, so, so, some good movements. Uh, some, some five out of five possibly moments when the actual quakes are happening and buildings are falling and cool action sequences like that done very, very well. Um, uh, Dwayne uh, The Rock plays a, uh, a rescue guy who's in a helicopter so he sort of flies around trying to save his family. Uh, pretty good. It's what you should expect of a movie like this. Let's, let's put it that way. Okay, next, going on to one of the weirdest movies I've seen in a very, very long time called Felt, F-E-L-T. Uh, it was one of those, uh, and this is also something that's come up, I believe, from time to time. Uh, occasionally, I'll go on interwebs and look for lists of movies. You know, uh, top ten action movies. Top uh, ten movies you didn't see. Yeah, that's usually a good one that I like, uh, and I think maybe that's how I found this one. Uh, it was something along the lines of top movies from 2015 that you didn't see. Now, I don't know how these guys know this, and quite quite obviously they don't know it, but it's just like little, little films that sort of went under the radar that are good, but not many people saw, uh, and I suppose that this movie could fit into that. It is fucking weird, though. Uh, a woman creates an alter ego in hopes of overcoming the trauma inflicted by men in her life. 
that does not sound that weird, but let me just, and this is a spoiler, I suppose, there is a scene where a man gets his penis cut off, and let's just leave it at that. Rating-wise, I like a weird movie, so I give it extra points for that, but was it even too weird for myself? No, you know what, I, I'm going to stick with a four. I, I debated maybe moving it down to a three, but uh, I'll stick with a four. Weird enough to pull my interest, and not so weird that it disgusted me other than that one scene where, if you're a guy, and you watch a scene where someone gets their penis cut off, it is an uncomfortable viewing experience, to say the least. And, and physical things happen to you, like crossing of legs or wincing. Lots of wincing. Okay, uh, as you've heard, we're already out of time, so I'll just do this last movie quickly. Night of the Comets. Uh, this was another one that I found on some list. It was like post-apocalyptic movies you haven't seen, or post-apocalyptic movies uh, that are good but you've never heard of, or uh, I don't remember what it was. came out in 1984, which, uh, despite that fact... Or maybe because of it. Hmm, that's a good question, actually. Uh, this was actually a very good movie in terms of what it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, a comet wipes out most of life on Earth, uh, leaving two valley girls to fight the evil types who survive. Uh, yeah, interesting premise. Fits really well in the sort of 80s vibe. I think, and I don't think I've ever said this before, uh, a movie such as this would make a really good sort of cheesy remake. Like, if you took this, still set it in the 80s, made it today, maybe amped up some of the 80s nostalgia factor, uh, and maybe did some of the special effects better, because <laughs> that was one area. Uh, and maybe the acting. Oh, uh, there was one guy, what the hell was his name? Uh, let me see if I could find it. Oh, anyways, uh, I can't find it right now because the page is too small. Uh, the guy who played uh, Chakotay in uh, Star Trek Voyager was the sort of leading man of this movie, I guess you would say. So uh, that was cool to see, and I was unaware of it. So uh, when he popped up on screen, I did a little, oh, that's cool. Oh, uh, rating-wise. Uh, I'd go solid 4 out of 5. Uh, I liked it. Again, we should specify for movies such as this for what it is. This is not an Oscar-worthy movie, but it's a good movie. It's a good uh, uh, potential movie to be remade, I think. And if you do, too, I would love to hear from you. To the address provided in the closing credits. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Strong, Powerful Businesswoman Perfume. So it was like uh, money and a sort of no-nonsense attitude. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in this Television Talk, uh, we're wrapping up a show that I have brought back from time to time because I've been watching it for a very long time, and that is Skins. Yes, we're done. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, if such a thing exists, you will know that the missus and I were watching this together. Uh, we'd watch one or two episodes a week. Uh, it is available on Netflix, I should say. 
Uh, along came a television show called House, which I can't remember if I've brought back any House episodes yet. I, I will at some point, for sure. Um, and she liked it so much that we made sort of a deal uh, that we would switch over to House. Because although she didn't necessarily hate Skins, uh, it wasn't necessarily her bag of tea. So uh, I allowed that switch, being the generous guy that I am. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I'm happy then I did too, because it allowed me to move on quickly and binge watch seasons 6 and 7. Or, because this is a British television program, series 6 and 7. Uh, okay, so let's talk about those two. Series 6 uh, sort of wraps up the, the, the cast from Series 5. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this show, it's... And I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but it, it kind of is. Every two seasons, they'll get a new cast of kids to be the cast of kids. Uh, <laughs> so the show sort of takes place... Uh, it's uh, I think, as I've described it before, which seems to work pretty well, uh, Degrassi with lots of sex and drugs. So uh, that's what you have to look forward to. Uh, it's It's got laughs, it's got cries, it's got tense moments action it's got moments of no action uh it, it really jumps all over the place which i think is why i like it uh and i i've said this before and i'll say it again um if you're gonna make a show be believable to me you have to have everything you can't have a comedy show that's 100 percent comedy 100 percent of the time you have to have a little lows and vice versa especially vice versa i would say if you're gonna have a drama if it's 100 percent dramatic 100 percent of the time i will quickly lose interest because of the unbelievability of that situation so skins does that very very well uh so as i say season six sort of wrapped up uh a lot of it had to uh do with seeing their dead friend uh and sort of a, a sense of uh, moving on from uh, Grace dying, which was incredibly sad. That is a spoiler, but I did warn of those. So, there. Uh, okay, so let's move on to Season 7, because uh, this is something that was very, very strange, and I wonder if any other television show has ever done anything like it. Hmm. Uh, what it was, was taking a show that was the same for the first six seasons, and then throwing all that out the board... And making basically not only an entire different show, but three entire different shows. Let me explain. Uh, they took three of the characters from seasons, I think it would be three and four, and then gave each of those three characters two episode, two episode movies. I, I would classify them almost more as movies. So, uh, yeah, movie broken up into two parts. So, uh, these characters are older, so they're no longer in high school. Uh, they've got some of the baggage that they did from when they were in high school and the events that happened in the season, uh, I, again, I'm sort of guessing, three and four. Uh, but then we see where they are later in life. So uh, the first one is Effie, <laughs> who the missus does a spot-on impression of. Let me see if I can do a spot-off impression. Oh, Wow. That's what she used to say a lot. She never said it in these two episodes, I guess because she's uh, grown up a little bit. Oh. Uh, she is uh, working in a restaurant. She's sort of, I guess, found would be a way to describe it uh, by someone who is secretly photographing her and posting the photos online. Uh, and that's... 
sort of where the story revolves around that. Uh, and because, as you've heard, we're already out of time, I'll sort of speed through this a little bit. Uh, the next person uh, that we check in on is Cassie. Uh, Cassie, who one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen, uh, and I think she's in a she's in one of those popular uh, teen movies now. I'm pretty sure she is working in sort of a high powered business setting, uh, and her story revolves around that. So very very strange to see. Uh, just suddenly thrust into the world of business from the world of kids doing drugs and having sex and... Um, articles that we have from all over the world. <laughs> For some reason, my YouTube that I was watching just started there. If you heard that, don't know. Maybe I'm haunted. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, I always liked her as a character. So it was good to see her in a, in a role other than sort of drugged out girl. Uh, last was one of my favorite characters just of the series, I think, uh, and that was Cook. Uh, Cook is sort of a badass dude. Uh, don't mess with him. He, in his, I don't want to say older age, because they're probably still in their 20s, uh, had seemingly mellowed a little bit. He was a drug dealer. <laughs> and when I say he's mellowed and yet a drug dealer, you could tell how freaking crazy he was before. Uh, and, and it all revolves around him being a drug dealer and interactions with his drug lord boss, the drug lord boss's uh, girlfriend, who he is charged with sort of uh, taking around town, uh, Scarface, anyone, and uh, how that situation explodes, because boy does it. Uh, yeah, so the Skins, I think I've said this every time I've talk of it very very good easy for me to give the series as a whole including this last weird season seven a five out of five highly recommend watching it available on netflix yay Today's book banter sponsor is the PIT, which is either the Proton Institute of Technology or the Phase Institute of Thaumaturgy. I knew I would have trouble with that word, so I spelt it out phonetically. Thank you, sponsorship. Oh boy. Okay, so uh, we're going to do as we have done for the first four books, now into the fifth book of this Apprenticed Adept series by Mr. Pierce Anthony. Uh, this book being Robot Adept, written in 1988, and it does have a little bit of a, a, a the 80s fantasy sci-fi vibe to it, which is a little different. A little different. <laughs> uh, for example, when I read what I'm about to read, as I've done for the first four books, it sounds like this comes from the mind of a man who is uh, on acid, basically. Okay, let's see what the old Wikipedia has to say. Uh, conflict arises between Mock and Bane due to their individual honors. Mock allies himself with the adverse adepts slash contrary citizens due to the denial of his forbidden relationship with Fleeta. Mac learns magic from the Book of Magic 
<laughs> to become the robot adept. In the end, Mac and Bane have a contest across the frames, and Mac wins, putting both Mac and Bane on the side of the adverse adepts slash contrary citizens. Now, what the fuck does all that mean? That is one of the most convoluted descriptions. Uh, not as crazy sounding as some of the ones I've read so far. Yeah, but still. Uh, basically what has happened is, uh, because of love, uh, uh, the only way that uh, these two guys can be with their significant others is to side with evil people, uh, which is a very, very strange idea from Pierce Anthony. Basically, uh, the good people, uh, aka their parents, don't feel that the relationship is a good idea. Uh, in, in the case of Faze, it's a little more obvious. Uh, he's, uh, say you're a magician, you have a son, you want that son to have kids to carry on your magician line in order to maintain the balance of good and evil. Okay, that uh, makes sense as far as fantasy, fantasy things go. So if your son uh, decides to date a unicorn, <laughs> uh, that means that they can't have babies, because everyone knows unicorns and humans can't have sex. Well, they can, actually, and boy, do they a lot in this book, which is pretty fucked up, uh, but they can't produce babies. So you're going to be like, no, you can't do that because we need to protect from evil. Uh, so that sort of throws them into the light of mean parents. Um, you'd think the protagonists of the book would be like the heroes that quite often protagonists are and say, uh, you know what, you're right for the good of the world, uh, we'll just hang out, uh, we won't get married and, uh, ruin the, the plan of good in, instead of forsaking and becoming evil. That's what you think would happen, but because this is 1980s fantasy, uh, slash sci-fi, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense, and, uh, to be 100% Amish with you, Yes, I said that. Uh, quite often, this book, some of the leaps in logic, uh, I felt, were too leapy. Uh, it didn't make sense. Their their thought processes, their actions, their motives, quite often you were scratching your head saying, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just do this? And everyone would be happy. Uh, for that reason, I think this is maybe not my favorite of the books in this series. Uh, I might go as low as a 2 out of 5, uh, which, considering I enjoyed the first one so much... You know what the other problem is? Uh, and this is a problem that's developing in these books a fair amount. One of the main things I've liked of the first few books of this series is when they're in the sci-fi realm of Proton, uh, they would play the, the game, quote-unquote. Uh, which which was really cool, and then they take this really cool idea of um, people playing this very intricate and many layered game that was was that made the book very interesting to read. They totally yanked that out of it, for the most part. You'd have little dribs and drabs of it, but uh, I need attorney. I, I need attorney to come back. Attorney mint, if you will, uh, and that would up the interest for me once again. So. Let's hope that happens at some point.
Today's game, a government sponsor, is a Telltale Games Barney Miller adventure. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, if you've read the description, you will already know that uh, I'm sort of uh, uh, cheapening out a bit, it feels like, on this game-gabbing segment in the sense that I'm not bringing back an actual game. Um, I debated uh, bringing back uh, Dragon Quest Heroes again. Now, I may uh, I may still bring it back for next week. Have it 100% decided. It depends how much I get into it. It's just I didn't uh, I didn't have time to play it that much. So my my thoughts and opinions from my first talk of it uh, wouldn't have been varied enough, I don't think, uh, to have a whole other segment devoted to it. So this is a, a little fill-in idea I had while sitting around. Uh, what we're going to do is I took some things that I look at uh, actually in the room I'm in right now, my man cave slash man den. I don't call it a man cave really anymore, just because it's above ground, and I feel like a man cave should be below ground. So I call this my manden. One word, manden. Uh, so I looked at things around the room and thought, okay, what video games could we create from some of these things in this manden? Uh, number five, and we're going to do five, four, three, two, one is uh, a book called God Know by Penn Jillette. Oh, the Penn Jillette who does the opening of this podcast, you might say? Yes, the self-same. Uh, what I thought would make a cool game uh, revolving around this is a atheist uh, first-person shooter. What does that mean? Uh, you would play a scientist, a sort of a Bill Nye type, let's say, and you would use science in many forms, including, I don't know, lasers, to defeat things like uh, angels and things like uh, anti-vaccine people and uh, things of that nature. Things of the anti-science uh, religious variety. Uh, you would uh, use, let's say, um, uh, your, your facts of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, your facts of evolution to uh, maybe release a, uh, a missing link to destroy creationists. Uh, I'm kind of going a little little strange on that one, but y you get the gist. Okay, uh, going to move on here to number four. I'm looking at Reboot, the complete series. If you're unfamiliar with the television show Reboot, it was... I believe the very first computer-generated television show. Uh, the other little cool tidbit was it was made in Canada, which is where I am. Uh, love, love, love this show. Uh, I thought now that we've sort of progressed, and maybe in a couple years when VR is more than where it is right now, uh, a game sort of within a game with multiple games within that game uh, would be a cool idea. So Reboot the Show basically all took place inside a computer. Um, so if we are able to, through virtual reality, be inside a computer, like these people were, uh, then we could pretend we were in the series. In the series, they would play games within the TV series, so it's like a game within a game within a game. I, I don't know. These are just ideas I'm throwing out here. Uh, number three, uh, uh, Funko Pops. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Funko Pops... You can Google Funko Pops. Uh, I thought what would be a cool idea with them was just a fighting game. Yep. Uh, because they make Funko Pops 
of just about everything that exists, it would probably be one of the largest uh, video games in the scope of characters, which uh, I think a fighting game, the more characters you have, uh, the more uh, in-depth, the more better, the more better good it will be. Does that make sense? Maybe. Then again, maybe it doesn't. Uh, okay, now I'm looking at my uh, Super Scope for my Super Nintendo. Oh. Uh, my question here is, why don't they make any more light gun games? Those were fun. Have we lost the ability to do that? Give me some light gun games. Give me a Duck Hunt. That was a fun game. Give me a gun in my hand that I could shoot the screen with and kill things, please. Which is maybe once VR gets going, uh, I will have something in my hand that is shooting things. So, cool. Uh, last but not least is I have every uh, Terry Pratchett Discworld novel. So, uh, I thought creating a role-playing game sort of a la Skyrim in the world of Discworld would be just incredible and something that I yearn for probably more than any other, which is why I put it at number one. Uh, something that uh, the comedy of... Discworld mixed with the seriousness of Skyrim, I, I, I think would be a, an, an incredible feat. So please, someone make all of these things, but that one especially. Today's internet intercourse sponsor is Explosive Diarrhea Bomb Diffusal Manual. Oh, what have we done? Okay, so, uh, internet intercourse item first is Co-Optitoad. Oh, you know, it's funny, uh, when you heard that YouTube come on mysteriously <laughs> for some reason, it was another episode of Co-Optitoad, uh, that I had paused because it was over. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyways, what we're here to talk about is Felicia and Ryan Day of Co-Optitude fame playing uh, a game mm -hmm, called Keep Talking and Nobody Dies. Uh, this is an interesting thing that I've been seeing uh, out and about uh, quite a bit recently. They didn't use VR, but that's how I've sort of seen it played. Uh, basically what it is is, I'll explain it in the VR sense and they sort of worked around this. Uh, someone would have a VR helmet on, would see a bomb on a table. Uh, they would have someone sitting next to them with a fairly sizable manual on how to defuse this bomb, depending on what the person in VR saw. Uh, so really, really cool idea, and more co-optitude-ish than any game I've ever seen, because you really, really have to communicate well with the person you're playing with. So you'll describe things you see on the bomb, like serial number, placement of buttons, things like that. Uh, the person will then have to go into the manual and find what you're describing. Uh, will ask you questions about, you know, uh, how many wires are there? What color are the wires? The whole time this bomb will be counting down. Uh, if you make mistakes, maybe the, the timer will jump things of that nature. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. 
And one thing, uh, Felicia and Ryan are brother and sister, uh, so I guess there's less on the line, but they've started arguing pretty good between one another, which a game of this nature surely would do. So playing this with a, uh, a spouse seems potentially to have a, uh, you know, explosive consequences. Huh? 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 Uh, okay, uh, let's move on to the next item. Similar, which seems to be talking about this a lot in this episode, uh, GameSpot, speaking of the $600 Oculus Rift. So, uh, the price of the VR headset Oculus Rift was just announced. Uh, I guess that's giving you a little bit of an idea of when I am recording this versus when it is released, which is not what professional podcast people do, but I am not a professional, as I have said many times. Uh, There's good things and bad things about this. The main bad thing of this price point is I can't afford it. (laughs) That's sort of numero number one on the list of good and bad is I, I can't afford $600 on an Oculus Rift. Uh, the potentially good thing is that uh, because it's coming out at such a high price point means that it's probably very good, very well made. Uh, it will drop in price eventually. There was worries by some that if it came out and it was $250, uh, you know, it'd be a piece of junk and it wouldn't work very well. Um, the th- things of that nature, th- things mostly revolving around quality, uh, because it's such a high price point, which uh, it kind of isn't when you consider what it can do. Uh, when the PlayStation 3 came out, it was $600, so you could look at it that way as well. The other thing is you need a fairly sizable uh, computer rig for it to work. Uh, this makes me more curious than ever what the Morpheus will cost. Uh, still, I would probably lean more towards uh, getting an Oculus Rift than a Mor- Morpheus, just because uh, I feel like on a PlayStation 4, it's going to be at least you know 99% towards games, whereas if I get an Oculus for my PC, there'll be things other than games, like pornography, uh, like going to a museum in virtual reality, where I feel like on a PlayStation, that'll be less likely. Think, things of that nature. Things of an experimental nature, let's say. Uh, so is it good news? Is it bad news? I'd say overall it's bad with hints of goodness. Silver linings in that dark cloud, let's say. Okay, I'm going to run out of time. Uh, Lemonos. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Top 10 facts of 2015. Uh, recommend that. I'm not going to go into it because I'm going to run out of time. Uh, other than to say this guy has such a relaxing voice combined with this cool list that he's compiled. Uh, I had to bring it back and say, hey, go watch that. You will like it if you like this. If you don't like this, you'll probably like it as well. That's how good it is. Uh, okay, uh, last but not least was a really good podcast, uh, and whenever sort of, uh, I listen to a lot of good podcasts, um, but whenever one sort of jumps out something that I've never seen before, or a special guest that I've never heard on a podcast, as in this case, uh, I, I try to bring it back. Uh, this is the You Made It Weird podcast with Pete Holmes, which I love. Uh, the, the cool guest was Gary Shandling. Yeah, I, I've never heard him do much of an interview at all, let alone a, you know, almost two-hour-long interview. So he is... There's a reason there's people like him who are known as uh, funny. Uh, people who've been in the biz for a long time and are known to have sort of super spot-on sense of humor. He is so friggin' quick, man. It's uh, It makes me jealous. 
probably more than than most interviews I've heard, just in podcasts in general, but uh, definitely on Pete Holmes' show, just joke after joke, seemingly on at all times, was really incredible. Uh, he's just a super interesting dude as well. Uh, that's one of the great things about Pete Holmes in this podcast. He makes it weird, as the title will let you know. Uh, and they'll talk about just such a wide variety of things, always ending with talks of... Uh, and delving into talks of death and religion and, and really sort of metaphysical things. Really gets your brain going on both the 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 comedy side and the actual factual thoughts of life side. So pretty incredible and would highly recommend listening to it, folks. I'm going to push this and say that it is nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper